21, as Ruth and I were talking at the table, we came to realize that Pat and I'm uh, nephew, Nate Cheeseman, has just left this particular ministry that uh, was involved in uh, coordinating prayer from Wycliffe for the Bibleless people groups. And he is now, Nate and his wife Ivy are now uh, serving in Bangkok, Thailand. But we quickly exchanged a number of little names back and forth, and she was telling me about her father, who was a career missionary in um, Mexico, is now 96, living there with her in the Orlando area, and said that he went to Dallas Theological Seminary. And I just mentioned the name Lewis Berry Schaefer, who was the founder of that. And Ruth says, well, he led my daddy to the Lord. So just interesting things when you start talking to people about the pilgrimage that they go through as Christians to see how very quickly our lives can get, you know, kind of reveal a very uh, obvious connectedness as we labor to extend the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we're talking in Revelation chapter 21 about what it's going to be like to be in heaven, what it's going to be like because Christ is there in heaven. So in chapter 21, uh, John is writing this, Then I saw a new heaven, a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain, nor anything of the former things, because they have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment, The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be with the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the second death. Now, this is the beginning of an explanation here of what it means for Christ to be in heaven and all those who are going to be with Christ in heaven to be there present with him. This is at a time of uh, completion of a final judgment and there's a separation of, if we could say it this way, of the unbelieving world with the believing world. And so you have here something that is entirely new. It's a new heaven. It's a new earth. Now, when we talk about this, we're talking about how the presence of the reality of Christ being there, the outcome, the truth, the blessing about Christ being in heaven, glorified, and us being with him. Now, this should captivate us as Christians 
throughout our entire Christian pilgrimage. Paul writes in Philippians chapter 1 that it was a gain to die. For me to die is gain. And he said to be here on earth serving is important to the extension of the work of Christ in individual lives and in the church. But in reality, to depart and to be with Christ is something superlative. It's far better. And so this was on Paul's heart and mind. He is framing his language in such a way that it would be framed into our hearts and minds that as we live on earth that we should be thinking about being with Christ in heaven. Now, Jesus in heaven is the best part of heaven. I think that's the thing that we need to see as we look at the scriptures about what it means to consider heaven. Now, I grew up in South Florida, grew up in West Palm Beach. West Palm Beach is separated from Palm Beach by the intercoastal waterway. Most cases, it's a little more than a quarter to not quite a half a mile across the intercoastal waterway running that whole stretch. And there are a number of bridges, and the bridges connect the mainland with the island. And what we called the Southern Bridge, the Southern Boulevard Bridge, which was down near where I lived in West Palm Beach and where my parents and grandparents fished, when you crossed the Southern Boulevard Bridge on the left was paradise, literally. You ever heard of Post Cereals? Been around for a long time. People that owned that made a lot of money, and the lady who was Mrs. Post built an estate began at the intercoastal waterway, went all the way to the ocean. It had its own golf course. Uh, it had a mansion. It had a wall around it. As a child, I can just close my eyes and see this, this masonry wall that was covered with their style of, of stucco on it. But when they built that wall and they put the cap on it, as they were going down and putting the cap on the wall, they had gotten from all the liquor stores for a very long time all the liquor bottles of all different colors, and the person who was laying the mortar, very artistically, he put these liquor bottles all along the top of the wall. I, I mean, not one here, one there. I mean, just almost side to side, one after another, going down this wall, so that the top of the, the wall had liquor bottles about this far going across the top of it. And this wall probably went for over a quarter of a mile. But that's not all. Once they had put all them liquor bottles in there and all that cement had dried, then a man came along with a crowbar. I think I would have liked that job. That would have been fun. What was the, uh, the intent? Well, you're out there, and this is in here. It was opulent. I could go on and on about the majesty of, of that estate. Ended up being owned by a woman named Marjorie Merriweather, the heiress of the Post estate. It ends up now being owned by Donald Trump. And it's an amazing thing. It's paradise. It's beautiful. Now, why I'm mentioning this is, it was beautiful when it was built back in the late teens, early 20s. That's almost 100 years. That estate today 
is just as well kept and it's just as beautiful as it was 100 years ago. If there was no Christ in heaven, that's all heaven would be like. It would be beautiful, but it would be static. be no change. But because Christ is in heaven, and he is the one who brought all things into being through his word, because as the book of Hebrews tells us in the opening words, that he upholds all things by the word of his power, heaven is not going to be a static place. It's going to be what it is because Christ is there. It will be glorious, it'll be beautiful, it'll be transcendent. Now when we think about that, we see that the glory of heaven is focused on this person, the Lord Jesus. Now, his being there, we have to concede that when that first Pentecost day, 50 days after uh, the Passover when he was crucified came, that something that never happened in the history of the world occurred. And that is a human person entered into heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ in a glorified body, but nonetheless fully God and fully man, entered into heaven and took his seat in the place of power and authority at the right hand of God. Now, Christ being there, we use the word guarantee a lot. We don't use the word guarantee a lot. But the word guarantee, I think, is the word that's appropriate here. He becomes the guarantee. His being there is the assurance that as we have our faith in him, that we will be there. So this whole aspect of Christ being in heaven is the assurance that each of us have as he was accepted, that as we have faith in him, that we're going to be accepted, body and soul into the presence of God for all eternity. And so Paul can say things like this, when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then we'll be revealed with him in glory. Now, I love to read all the stuff about World War II and all these things, and you see all kinds of heroes. We've got our heroes today. Y'all been keeping up with American Idol at all? Now, my wife's into that. And they got this little guy from Albany. And I'm telling you, he can sing. And they just had a sure enough homecoming for that young man down in Albany. And, and I mean, the whole place broke out to celebrate his, I guess he's at the top four now, finalist there. You know, the one my wife likes is the young black singer. And this guy is just unbelievable. And what do you know about him? Well, he grew up in the church. <laughs> His father's a pastor. I, I, I really get kind of tickled with the American Idol outcomes of the last few times because almost every one of them has been a Christian. And almost every one of them learned to sing in church. And here they are. But we find ways to think of heroes. And we gather around them. 
And that's what heaven is like when Christ, who is our life, is revealed. You're going to be revealed with him in glory. You're going to be caught up in the moment. Uh, you see these pictures of a bygone era of General MacArthur, ticker tape parade, right down the middle of New York, Manhattan. And he was representative. Sure, he was the one that w whose victories were being celebrated, but in these celebrations, it was a celebration that caught up everybody that served in the armed forces. The, all the ones that stayed at home here to did all the things in the background to make sure that the war effort was sustained. And, they were, and it was adulation. We're going to be there in adulation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it, it, there's just nothing that will earthly that can compare with it. An estate in Palm Beach that's perfect, a celebration in, in, in New York for a hero's hero, it's going to be far and above all that we can think or dream or hope of at that point in time, and it won't be static. It will go on from there. When we think about things going on from there, well, I'm not sure. What do you mean? Well, if you come to the end of John's gospel, his last verse says this. There are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they were written in detail, I suppose that even the world itself would not contain the books that were written. Now, this is strictly from a perspective of humanity. Now, what John's saying is, if all the human witnesses could somehow come together, pool all of their material, and write about all the things that they knew that Jesus was involved with in his earthly ministry, well, it certainly exceeds by a large scale that which we have recorded for it. Well, this divine human person has been in heaven for 2,000 years, and he's not been idle. In, in not being idle, the stories that are to be written and to be retold add to what we're told here. And so when we get to heaven and we find out what it means to, to think about all the things that Christ has done, we're going to have to have what they used to call in the 60s in the drug movement. Remember the drug movement in the 60s? They used to talk about having conscientious, expanding experiences. Well, I'm going to tell you, my intellect, your intellect, won't be able to fathom all the things that are going to be there to know about the glory and the beauty and the honor of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have just scratched the surface of truly knowing Christ. So there's this sense in which we, we think of it. In, in the book of Revelation, you get a different perspective in, in chapter 4 and in other passages in there. But in chapter 411, you've got all of these 24 elders and you've got these living creatures and they're there casting down their, throne, their crowns before the throne. They're saying, worthy are you, our Lord 
and our God to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and because of you they existed and were created. We're going to worship like that. We're going to worship because he is the lamb who has overcome Satan, sin, death, and everything. Everything that is, uh, as it says in one part of the scriptures, everything that offends will be cast out. Now, that leads us to another aspect of what it means to think about what it, with Christ being in heaven and being in glory. Now, as we look at this, we need to think that this Jesus is there. The way we can understand what it will be like is to consider some of the things that occurred during Jesus' life here on earth. Now, in John chapter 2, we're led to a story of creation within creation. So the reality is at the end of the, the turning of the water into wine that John says this was a sign. Now the reason I'm bringing this up is it's not something that happened then for then and only then. Because it was a sign, yes it was a sign to Mary, it was a sign to these four or five disciples who had just attached themselves to Jesus days before. It was a sign that he was the Son of God, the Messiah come on earth. To Mary, it was a sign that her son showing up with these disciples, doing this miracle, had entered in into his formal ministry. You know, Mary could be like some of the mothers and grandmothers that are with us today. You know, they see their child, they know his capabilities, they know his promise, but he's 30 years old and he hasn't got on to it yet. Maybe there's a failure to thrive or something. Well, when Jesus shows up with these disciples, it's a light that goes on. She realizes showing up with the disciples is a game changer. And immediately she comes to him and she says, they have no wine. Jesus do? Simple prayer. By the way, it'd be a great way for you to pray. Prayed for a lot of people this morning, you know. When you pray for a lot of people, how long can you pray for each one of them? Not much. This morning, the prayer, a lot of it was, Lord, they ain't got no wine. (laughs) They ain't got no wine. This marriage hasn't got any wine. This poor sap over here in the church, he hasn't got any wine either. He needs help helping Jesus. Notice what Mary doesn't do. She doesn't say, Jesus, they're out of red wine. Didn't say they're out of Chianti. Didn't say they're out of, you know, Chardonnay. Didn't give any directions. They're out of wine. That's all it's needed. That's the way our prayer should be. She believed Jesus had the ability to act, said, whatever he tells you to do, do it. They filled these water jars up. What's heaven going to be like? Those water jars are a sign. What if they would have drank all the wine? 
what could they have done? Filled it up with water. And if the wine was needed, what would Jesus be able to do? That's what heaven's going to be like. There will always be an abundance. It will always be replenished. There will never be a lack in heaven because Jesus is there. This is not a miracle as much as it is exactly what is prognosticated in the prologue of the, the gospel where it says nothing came into being apart from him. It's not so much a miracle as an exhibition of creation power within the existing creation. And so heaven will be constantly renewed by the creative power of Christ. Well, we see an abundance there. We see the best there. This is the way heaven is going to look. I go on to something else here for a minute. Some of you are a little nervous about the wine. I know. I'm sorry. but <laughs> If you're nervous and if you got any, let me have it. Now you won't have to be nervous about it anymore. So. <laughs> you're good for something, but we're not sure. <laughs> I was thinking about bringing some dinner rolls up here. When you started, I was going to pitch them, but that, I just decided not to do it today. I know it. Look, Jesus is there. You're going to still be a human person. You're still going to be a created being. God is still going to be the uncreated one. There will be the need of mediation. Christ will be the mediator through whom all the blessing of our Heavenly Father flows through him and flows to us. That's what heaven's going to be like. Christ is there, and because he is there, there will be no interruption in the flow of blessing from our Heavenly Father to us. It will come through Jesus Christ. Now think of it this way. Because Jesus is there, we'll have an example. Now every once in a while in a church, you run across some people that think they sure are something. You know about those people? That's a problem. Well, that would be a problem in heaven if there was no Christ there. We could get some puffed up people for sure. After all, I have not done much. I, you go and talk about some of the people of Christian history, they've done some things that I couldn't even conceive of doing. Heaven will be a place of great humility because nothing and no one compares to Christ. The distance between any of the superheroes of Christian humanity and the person of Christ is infinite. And because of that infiniteness, we will look at one another with thanksgiving for the parts that we played in our life on earth, but we will be so caught up in what Christ has done that none of us will think that we did really very much but we'll all be thankful for one another because of the example of Christ. Jesus is teacher. That will not end. Again, when we get to heaven, the cobwebs that seem to build up, the older you get, they'll all be dusted off. Uh, 
You know, I remember growing up as a kid. I wish you could have known me as a kid. You'd be totally amazed. You know, the thing that I hated more than anything to do as a kid? Read. (laughs) And so now all my kids think, all you ever do is read. Well, I'm learning. It will never end. We talk about lifetime education. That's some kind of a new thing. It won't be new. We will learn. Now we'll apply. Everything's going to be renewed. Christ is the leader of the cosmos, the ruler over all, the Almighty, not merely of earth but of heaven. And we are going to be enlisted with the various talents that we have now and the talents that we will be given then. And then we will be a part of a perfection of what is going on in the earth. Now you think, well, what does it look like? Well, maybe some of you all will become lion tamers. The lion's going to lie down with the lamb. Maybe you'll be snake handlers. There's not a lot of those in the Presbyterian church. We don't need any. So if you've got that talent, go somewhere else right now. But on that day, it says that the child will play on the whole of the adder or the ass. Maybe that's it. We're told that there are going to be amazing, as it were, flower gardens and agriculture in the middle of the desert. Maybe that's a place for Mike Key. We could get him in a desert, and that would be a good place for him. But you see, it's all of this, all of this, and more, much more, because Christ is the ruler over all things, the Almighty. When we think about what heaven's going to be because Christ is there, it means that we will have space for us and place for us, and it will be perfect. And everyone in that space and place will find reason to bring honor and glory and praise to him who sits on the throne. Let's pray. Now, Father, help us as we think of things that are conveyed in tremendous imagery, in powerful word pictures of what this heaven is going to be like. But we know that we can only catch a glimpse of it as we see things on earth from which to compare and then understand that what we see in its majesty and beauty is really not comparable because heaven will be so much more. And it will always be this way, forever and ever. Uh, The psalm writer says, when we've been there 10,000 years, we've only just begun. And that's the truth. And so we thank you. Life will be joy unspeakable and full of glory through Christ our Lord. And we give you thanks for him. Amen.